0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to New Books in Game Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Rudolf Inderst, the host of the channel. Today we'll be talking to Robert Horton, the editor of Playing the Middle Ages, Pitfalls and Potential in Modern Games. The publisher is Bloomsbury. Before we jump right in, though, I want to let you know that if you like our show, please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or the audio platform of your very choice. You're more than welcome to leave feedback or questions on Spotify as well. Also, feel free to share this episode or all the others with your friends or wherever you see fit. And now back to the show. The Middle Ages have provided rich source material for physical and digital games from Dungeons & Dragons to Assassin's Creed. This volume addresses the many ways in which different formats and genre of games represent the period. It considers the restriction placed on these representations by the mechanical and gameplay requirements of the medium and by audience expectations of these products and the period, highlighting innovative attempts to overcome these limitations through game design and play. As you can clearly see, so many reasons to talk and so many reasons
2: to chat. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rudolph, and thank you very much for having me and indeed having me back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I wonder if you could begin the interview by telling us a bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a lecturer at the University of Winchester. I teach mainly medieval medieval history, looking in particular at Italy and the Central Middle Ages. So from about the 8th century through to about the 12th century. I do a lot of stuff about political history, social history, and so forth. I also teach and do a fair bit of research addressing representations of the Middle Ages in modern media. I'm looking at games in particular. There's been a few bits and pieces I've been involved with in in game production, both in board games and computer games. Um, and possibly most importantly, I've been I've been running the Middle Ages in Modern Games Twitter conference for the last few years. Um, we've got a we've got a great crew working on that nowadays. And um, if you've not if you've not come across this at all, then please do check it out and have a look at everybody's work who's involved with that.
1: Mm. Now, as you know, of course, we have to check out your Ludo's credibility. So, please tell us what's your favourite game and the one or even the ones you're playing right now.
2: Right. So, um, I, I'm obliged. I'm obliged to mention Crusader Kings Free, although I've, I've not been back to that for. For the best part of the year now and there's a whole load of interesting things i should return to there what i've been playing recently though is Baldur's gate 3 because as it turns out i'm i'm a massive massive nerd um i've been i, I it's one of the, we've, we've reached the stage of my life now where i can claim to have been with Baldur's gate since the very start and um, they've done a load of really interesting things with with the new game um aside from aside from quite spectacular graphics but the story, the storyline's interesting. There's a load of branching pathways. They do a lot of interesting stuff with, with morality, um, and also you, you can throw explosive barrels at people, turn people into wheels of cheese, and so forth. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful game.
1: So I'm circling back to your lovely book now. I've got it right next to my, uh, to my MacBook right here. Uh, lovely cover, by the way. I really like it. So. Um, Playing the Middle Ages considers a number of important and timely issues with the field including. Before we start our deep deep dive, please tell our listeners, how did you come uh, to write or edit playing the Middle Ages in the first place?
2: Oh, thank you. And um, sorry, just to just to quickly tap back to the cover. Yeah, it's it's amazing what you can find in pixel art on Getty nowadays. Um, but yes. So what we what what about the book? Um, the book comes out of the Leeds International Medieval Congress, and this is an annual con- annual conference held, surprisingly enough, at the University of Leeds, um, up in up in the northern part of the UK. And this book, or at least the core of this book, was part of a strand back in the 2019 conference titled "Playing the Middle Ages." So it's a sister volume to "Teaching the Middle Ages Through Modern Games," and um, which also originated at that conference. I um, mean, indeed, it's, it's a it's a volume that came out last year. It's one that you you, know, you were kind enough to interview me about at the time. Um, so yeah, this, this volume it's its core comes from this this earlier conference, but about half to two thirds of the papers are are additional are additional bits and pieces that additional chapters that we've had added in by authors who weren't at the conference. Hmm. So the idea with it sorry the idea with this yeah um I, I should highlight this isn't the first time that volume has been done which addresses the Middle Ages and computer games or the Middle Ages and games rather um digital gaming reimagines the Middle Ages was edited by Dan and Klein back in around well back in 2013. um it's it's really important and similar volume but I think the thinking was behind the conference strand, behind the book. There's been a lot that's been done about games in the last 10 years or so. And uh, we wanted to talk a bit more about tabletop and analog games, do a few comparatives between those games um, and, and digital games. So it was a, in some ways a happy accident, but we're, we're very glad we got here. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess at the, as the editor, you, you have likely had the opportunity uh, to engage with a diverse group of authors who contributed to this uh, to this book. Uh, maybe um, you can highlight some key themes or insights from their contributions that shed light on the complex relationship between medieval history and, and modern gaming.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a load of fantastic authors associated with the volume. And where do we start? So, yeah, Ilver, Ilver Griffstedt gives us some theory and history around counterfactual games. Um, So, giving us something that's probably relevant across games in all periods. But we then continue with a series of themes that I think are particularly relevant to the Middle Ages. So, Karen Cook and Mariana Lopez, they've done some really interesting work with audio elements within games. Whether that's atmospheric elements, in Mariana's case, or incidental, incidental music, in Karen's case, or sound effects with Mariana. Um, we've also got a literal strand addressing the Crusades because well it's the Middle Ages, we have to talk about the Crusades, a couple of chapters from Gordon Smith and Liam McLeod, um and getting into political history a bit within Adam Deerstead's chapter. So there's a few a few key themes there, but I think the bulk of the volume, in fact more or less the entire second half of the volume, focuses on a few really important issues surrounding nationality, race, gender, and sexuality within games. So this obviously it's important to highlight. We're by no means encyclopaedic here, and there's a load more to be said about each and every one of these subjects. Each of them are pretty much well more than worthy of an entire volume in their own right. But we've got six really interesting chapters from a range of viewpoints. Um, you know, yeah, chapters from Neil and um, Johansson addressing um colonialism and colonialist views being exported into computer games, for example, or Blair Apgar, they've written a really interesting chapter about well, Matilda of Canossa and her representation within games. So Yeah, I think across the entire volume, within these chapters in particular, I think a lot of these these pieces really help to highlight the interconnectivity between the various issues we see in games in general and within medievalism. Maybe highlighting a little bit how medievalist games do things a little bit differently, although still connected to medievalism, still connected to gaming more broadly.
1: Now... One of the intriguing aspects of playing the Middle Ages, and there are, of course, many, (laughs) is how it explores both the potential and pitfalls alike in modern games that depict the Middle Ages. Could you elaborate on some examples of these potential benefits and challenges and why they matter in the broader context of uh, gaming and history?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the idea of the book is, as you said, there's, there are a lot of difficulties in, represent, in the representation of the Middle Ages in games of all varieties. But where the book, the point the book makes, I think, is there is nevertheless a, a lot of entertainment, commercial, pedagogical, and even research potential within, within these games. So... Games have a lot of difficulty representing history for a variety of reasons. The first of all, they're commercial products, they've got to be entertaining. The idea of historical accuracy is a complete minefield in any form of media, but it's possibly particular, particularly prominent within games, there's a particular drive for a certain vision of what the past looked like within within computer games in particular. Um, And at the same time, games often struggle to present a a nuanced vision of the past. They have to provide one particular account, one particular model for history, otherwise the game can't function. There's also a lot of negative representations around race, gender and sexuality, and a lot of broader issues about, well, representing, representing the past at all. However, a growing range of games which address the Middle Ages counter some of these issues or at least provide a more some more interesting approaches. So um an example from the book um, Blair's, Blair's chapter about Matilda of Canossa, it engages with the representation of of gender within games like Crusader Kings and highlights well while it's still presenting Middle ages are very much a male-dominated period. There are steps around it. It's a more interesting model. It's not simply about the marginalization, the sidelining of women. So obviously, there's still a lot of issues inherent to, to these games, but there's there's a lot of interesting things that can or indeed have been done. Right. Um now playing the Middle Ages is
1: Very likely to be of uh, great interest to both scholars and gamers alike. (laughs) Maybe you could share some key takeaways or insights from the book that you think will be particularly engaging or um, let's say thought-provoking for a general audience interested in history and gaming
2: no absolutely so hopefully this is this is something that's going to be useful for yeah for academics for for game developers and indeed for for gamers um so in short basically the, the key insight the key takeaways games could do a lot of really interesting things with history and I think from the contents of the book there's in particular they can do a lot of really interesting things with the Middle Ages. So the Middle Ages is a period we we often don't really talk about in a formal setting. We don't really, at least in, in the British Isles, certainly in various other parts of the world, we don't really study the Middle Ages in much depth. Games can be a really useful introduction to the period. Quite often they provide most of the information that their players have about the past, about this period of history, but games often get it wrong. I mean, at the most, basically get factual information, wildly incorrect. That's not so much of an issue, but sometimes the mechanics, sometimes the key themes of the games go off in, in directions which aren't really very constructive, which can be massively misleading, which can be problematic for other reasons. So games can often get the Middle Ages wrong, but there's no need to discard the entire medium. Computer games, board games are an important way of engaging with the past. And well, from the point of view of teachers and academics, we need to be aware of these trends if we're going to be using games for teaching. And more importantly, we need to be aware of these things because they have a substantial impact on our students and the population more generally. Every module, every module I teach addressing the, the middle ages. I'm fully aware that anywhere between a quarter to more than a half of the students in the room will have picked up most of their knowledge about the period from games that they've been playing, whether it's Assassin's Creed, whether it's Total War, whether it's even Crusader Kings. So, from a scholarly perspective, hopefully there's a few important takeaways, a few useful foundational elements here. For gamers, the book maybe suggests a different way of playing more more critically, so it's worth acknowledging that games can't do history in the same way as a book or a documentary. They can't strive for historical accuracy in the same sort of way. But it's still worth underlining that games still can still do serious history. If we play them with a critical mindset, if we come into them acknowledging they're doing history in a particular way, they've got particular constraints to them, they can still teach us really important things about the past. They can while all, all the while being very entertaining at the time. Perhaps a bit more of a stretch, but for game developers, there there are a few considerations throughout the book about how closer engagement with scholarly history may offer some commercial or gameplay advantages. Because I think it's important to underline getting in closer with history can occasionally be an obstacle to constructing an entertaining game, but it doesn't have to be that way. There's plenty that history can offer games just as there's plenty that games can offer history.
1: Yeah. Now this is yeah. Thanks thanks for this for this elaboration. It gives me um I'm really now I see I'm really eager to teach history now. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. a great place to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm loving it.
0: slash nbn50 to get 50% off. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: So um, we are slowly turning into the the home stretch. So time for a question that, that zooms probably out a little bit. Uh, but what is your take on the state of digital game research in general? Where where will it be heading in the near future? Do you see any specific
2: trends and themes from your perspective now? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, so very broadly, um, the field as a whole is getting broader and there's a huge range of people writing about history in games and about digital games in general. We've seen people coming in from a vast range of different fields, so obviously we've got game studies, media studies more broadly, but also different specialisms. So literary studies has been attached to game studies for for decades by this point. Um, From the more historical point of view, we're seeing plenty of different approaches coming from the various... Departments, the various disciplines associated with history. So we're seeing more historians becoming engaged with with games in one form or another. We're seeing archaeologists. Archaeologists have been getting involved with this since, or well, since the 1990s at the very least. We see anthropologists, artists, all manner of people getting involved with with games and history as represented within games, and this is marvelous. It means we're seeing dozens of different approaches to the same games, to often the same sorts of issues within games. What's possibly more important is the field starting to get deeper. So we've had this relatively surface level approach for, for quite a while where very often we'll have a, an academic will come and they'll dip their, a historian will come and dip their toes into gaming and history. We're seeing more people working on games in greater depth considering the historiography what's come out before and so forth. So I think what we're ho- I'm hoping we're seeing is the field is starting to mature a little bit so historical game studies is starting to become a bit more of a field in its own right with its own conventions, its own tendencies, its own foci for for research. So it's still very much a, a work in progress, but I think I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going to start to see historical game studies as, as even more of a thing here. Um, we have, of course, got the Historical Games Network, the the, 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 the blog, the platform, um, which is definitely worth a look if you're interested in any of these issues. I should also say that there are a load of really important new voices coming into the field, and indeed most of the contributors to, to this volume are PhD students, sorry, current PhD students or, or recent graduates, early career researchers. It's slightly alarming, but I'm I'm rapidly approaching being one of the older voices in the field which is simultaneously terrifying and very gratifying because there's a lot of people coming in who are doing much more erudite much more intelligent and interesting things than i would have ever thought to have done so i'm really excited to see where the field goes within the next decade or so
1: how can this be i mean uh we are roughly uh have uh, reach our 30th uh, year so to say how can we be how can we be the eldest in this club
2: i'll quite happily i'll quite happily take the roughly roughly reached our 30th year i'm i'm slightly older than that but thank you rudolph
1: <laughs> <laughs> well robert we have taken up a lot of your time so uh, what are you working on on right now and and what will you be playing next
2: Brilliant. Okay, well, what am I working on? Um, I've I've done I've, I've done the rather foolhardy thing of of signing up mm. for a lot of things that people have asked me about. Uh, the main thing that I'm I'm almost contractually obliged to highlight is I've I've been working on a monograph. This is this is titled the "Middle Ages in Computer Games," and surprisingly enough, it's all about the Middle Ages in computer games. I'm highlighting various key themes that show up within. We've been games addressing the Middle Ages in 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 all genres, um. So that's I've just I've just received the the first round of edits back for that, so that's, that should hopefully be coming out next year. There's various other projects that I've been delighted to be invited to to participate in. So I've been doing some writing about games for heritage and games for teaching. Um, I, I'm writing about empathetic games, so the use of of game the role playing very often as a different way of engaging with history within games. So it's, it's nothing nothing completely new, but it's perhaps taking it in a new direction. So plenty of little projects here and there. I'm also working, I'm also editing another volume with Kate Cook and Chris Tempshall. This is the Routledge companion to history in game, in video games. So this is something hopefully very interesting, hopefully coming out in 2025. It's going to be a complete monster, and it's still nowhere near big enough to address every element that we want to touch on. Finally, then, and probably more importantly, what am I doing when it comes to games? So, over the Christmas break, over the next few weeks, I'm hoping to finally finish up Baldur's Gate. I've, I've yet to quite make it into the city, terrifyingly. Um, so, there's there's a lot to be done there to deal with to deal with Men and everything. After that, though, I think I'd quite like to get back to Crusader Kings 3 for a bit. There's there's a load of cool stuff that's come out in the last year there. I'm um, in particular, something I'm particularly interested in is looking at their, their new expansion dealing with itinerant kingship. So allowing you to basically to travel around your kingdom and rule rather than rule from, from a capital city. Uh, this is something that's particularly interesting to me. As, as a historian of the Central Middle Ages, because capital cities just weren't a thing back then. So, yeah, plenty plenty to keep me occupied, I think.
1: Great project ahead. So, um, one thing is for sure, we will hear each other again on this very show then. <laughs> um, I want to thank you for being uh, here today. And, yeah, let me tell you, I really enjoyed it. So, take care and goodbye. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Rudolf. See you soon. So, dear listeners, I hope you like this episode. If you are an author and or an editor in the field of digital game studies yourself and want to talk about your latest publication, please do not hesitate to contact me under rudolf.indust at googlemail.com. Alternatively, please send me a direct message on social media. You will find me under at Game Studies at Blue Sky or Rudolf Inderst on Facebook and Instagram. And again, please share this episode where you see fit. And that's it. Cheers.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?